the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. The gang is back together, and you know what that means. It's time for a traditional Family Feud episode. We got some stock up. We got some stock down. We got some question answering. We have some heard it on the sidelines. And of course, we have some take it or leave it. So we're back. And we've already been feuding before the, this episode <laughs> even started. So, we're, you know, we're, we're really living up to the name. We're in prime form right now. Prime form. <laughs> It's a wild weekend, our first road trip of the year. Shadi, you and I got to see uh, USC's dominant win in person, so we'll talk about that. Chris, you were back here holding down the fort, so we'll talk about your Heard It on the Sideline experience. Uh, your brother was a popular person on Twitter. Look, the Trevino men are very funny, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm not surprised. I don't think people should be surprised. Maybe it'll be something I bring back in the future, because he does text me throughout the game when he's watching randomly on late night. So maybe nice. a couple will pop up on the on the Twitter feed. Who knows? Who knows? I can't tell you the future. Now, does he text you while you're covering a game when you're actually in the stadium? Uh, Yeah, like when I'm up in the booth. I, I, I find that to be one of the most annoying things about my friends. They're texting me during a game when they know that I'm on the sideline. Like, I, I can't, I'm trying to tweet and do everything else during a game, and they're like, can you answer my question real quick about what's going on? No, my family decides <laughs> to have a random big group. Oh, yeah. conversation right when kickoff starts it's like it's there's like a signal or a beacon and they <laughs> I have to mute everything it's awful it's a little different in the box though i have much more time yeah keely as keely probably learned because she she was up in the box the box is such a luxurious experience especially when you're you're staring at shotgun laying down on the grass in the pure rain but he got a crispy photo though <laughs> so it's worth it it's worth it anyway we have a lot to talk about uh as a reminder if you guys have any questions or submissions for the show, email us at familyviewpod at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone who did that. We have uh, some emails to go over. We also have some tweets. Usually look out for a tweet from Shoddy Spratling. He tweets them out on Tuesdays. We're recording on Tuesdays, so look out for a tweet like that if you have burning questions that you want to get answered ASAP. But guys, like I said, it's a traditional episode. We're going stock up. Chrissy T, are you going to handle me passing it to you first? Who you got? I have to go first? Yes. I was not ready for that. I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> why Why do you always do it then if you know I'm never ready? Because Shotgun said he was going to go last. I'm not a proponent of the... I'm not so a, you need to talk next. I'm not a proponent of the stay ready... What is it? Be ready, stay ready mantra. What happened to you practicing like a starter? Um, he's back. Stay Who ready cares? so you don't have to get ready. I've mentally checked out of practice. <laughs> nobody, nobody really cares. Um, hey, as we've seen this week... It can be five plays in the game, and you, your number can be called on. You can be the third string guy, and someone's helmet pops off, and you got to go in. Yeah, at quarterback, Chris. You're sounds th- like you're just sort of leaning me one way, but I had stock up with QB controversies. Oi. I feel like someone had this somewhere. I'll just throw it out there right now, just because obviously the story of Saturday was Jackson Dart balling out like. It wasn't no thing. I don't know what that phrase came from. That just came. I liked it though. Balling out like it ain't no thing. Uh, darting it up, doing stuff we've seen in practice, both 
the bad with and, the yeah. with the with the turnovers, but also the great with some big time throws and the the sexy little shouldn't have said sexy little throw the side throw <laughs> hop thing, uh, just just pl- making plays all over the field, giving his wide receivers chances and you know sparking this offense to their best outing all season. So I think we got a QB controversy on our hands. Um, and I'll just let you guys talk. I'm sure we got some questions about this. We're going to talk about it, but I'm going to put just I'll just leave it at bay for now. We'll come back to it. We'll jump on the ship and, and debate it. Have a warship back and forth here. Uh, it's going to be pirate time. I'm trying to follow where you just went. I don't. We left it in the bay. Did you have a stroke. We went back to the ship. <laughs> the we went out to the sea. Now we're battling with pirates. Come on. Where did the I pirates st- I, yeah, come from? What? That's going to be the QB controversy. Are you sure? I don't know. Is that, is that <laughs> Anyways, my transition? I don't. Okay, so that was I, my stock up. We have some. We have some discussions going on there. It's it's a yes, it's a we do. it's a fan thing. Oh, definitely. It's I I tweeted at Shotgun at like six in the morning because we were sitting next to each other in the airport, and I said, uh, "Out, not trendy anymore." Is Fire Helton new and trendy is Jackson Dart? Jackson Dart in our mentions. It's just nonstop. It's yeah. crazy. QB controversy. <laughs> QB who should start. Dart stock was definitely up. Uh, again, like you said, it was very much what we've seen in practice, the good and the bad. The thing that r- I really liked was that he didn't, when those turnovers happened, he just shook them off. You know, he just went, just rolled right off his shoulder pads like it was the, the drizzle in the Palouse. Um, you know, he was, he was perfect with bouncing back from it. And that's something that can be very difficult for a young quarterback. You know, you get thrown in and all this pressure is on you now, especially when you're down early. You start feeling that pressure, and, and it never—he never felt, it never seemed like the pressure was on his shoulders. It just seemed like he was out there balling and, and having fun, and you know, doing a thing with with his unique eye black that everyone wanted to talk about, which you know I'd seen a couple times this season already, and you know, no one really notices it until you go in the game. Everybody's like, "Wait, what is that?" Well, also people just now knowing the name Jackson Dart, everyone was like, "Wow, Dart's a great name for a quarterback." <laughs> I was like, "Where have you been?" <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I think it goes back to I think he's very self-aware of his play style. When we got to talk to him for the first time in fall camp, he said, "The way I play is risky. Like I'll make mistakes." So I think the fact that he's aware of that might help with his his mindset. But he's also just a gamer too. Yeah, we'll see where he continues to develop during his career if he can still play with that that mindset but eliminate those mistakes yeah you know not throw on the run across your body not throw on the run and try to throw it 35 40 yards off one leg you know those type things that you might can get away with in high school you know trying to throw over the middle late those things you can get away with because guys are slower they're not they're not as big not as fast not as strong can't necessarily do that in college even when you're playing washington state i had stock up for drake london um i thought the quote for uh from dante williams after the game he was asked well were you trying to target Drake London more in the second half was that in the plan and Dante which he's super just real in his his pressers which I think is hilarious he's like have you seen Drake London that dude's a beast that sounds like something you would say shotgun if you were a head coach so I think that's why I thought it was funny but it was a, a record day for him or a career high day for him 13 receptions on 170 yards with two touchdowns he did take he's first of all he's been taking massive hits to begin with this whole season but he did his take, whole career yeah he's been taking a hard, he took a hard fall definitely looked woozy was wearing sunglasses after the game which usually is a tip off to at least going through concussion protocol trying to figure that out so we'll see what he looks like in practice on tuesday but uh just continues to be a beast just beast mode 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's something we've seen throughout his career, and I've wondered, you know, I've always kind of cringed a little bit. He takes these huge shots because no one can get him down. The first guy can't get him down, so then a second guy gets there, a third guy gets there. And, and Washington State gives them credit for rallying to the ball like that. The defensive tackle got him one time on like a five-yard pass, and that's one of the things that maybe he has to learn to make a little bit of an uh, adaptation to his game is that, hey, if a, if a guy does have you in a pretty good reach, you know, just go ahead and go down. You know, so you don't get twisted up like San Jose State was trying to do, and you don't take a big shot from a, a, a secondary or third defender coming in uh, to try to you know really lay in, lay a blow on him. And but the thing is, like even those hits, none of those shook him. It was actually the ground, you know, taking a hard hit, and that's just because he's a huge dude. And you know, when you go up and make a catch over two guys, and then coming down to the ground, that can happen, unfortunately. So we'll see where he's at this week. That's you know, he was amazing in this game. And one of the things I thought was interesting is that Dart didn't, you know, he was spreading the ball around early, he threw it to a bunch of different receivers. And people people noted that, like, oh, he's doing different than Keaton Slow, and he's not locking on Drake London. When did the offense start rolling, though? When he started going, let me throw to number 15. Let me throw to number 15. Let me throw to number 15. And then the offense started you know, picking it up. And part of it was Washington State was playing man coverage. You know, They wanted to stop the run. They wanted to put pressure on both Keaton Slovis and Jackson Dart with a lot of blitzes and stuff. And that's going to leave a guy like Drake London going to have a big game when that happens. And you saw that you know, he was able to go up over defenders. He was able to get in between and when they played some zone coverage. He's just a unique receiver, and you know, it's, it's going to be important for him, for him to come back, for USC to continue to develop as an offense. Mm-hmm. And just to throw out some PFF numbers, among Power 5 wide receivers, he's the first in targets with 43, first in catches with 29, first in first downs with 17, first in receiving yards with 375, and first in contested, contested catches with 8. So... I feel like I don't know why he's not getting more national prominence at this point, but I mean he's he's a beast. Uh, one of the things I had for Stockup was play calling. I, I thought that there were some unique wrinkles in this game, and part of it was using Drake London as a decoy every once in a while. You know, the fourth and nine play was designed to go to Drake London, and hey, if they take that away, it was an in route. We're going to try to pick up the first down here and continue the drive because they had about forty seconds, I think, left in in the half. And they said if they tr- try to take that away, and Jalen Watson. The cornerback who was in man coverage a lot against Drake London was actually in a zone. He dropped back. When he sees him cut in, he breaks on it and comes in, leaves the top wide open. Gary Bryant you know, runs a, a post route, and they had a, a linebacker trying to guard Gary Bryant. Uh, not a good idea there, bud. Nope. And he runs right by him, and an easy th- pitch and catch for Jackson Dart. But nice play call there. There were some other things that I'll try to point out in film study if we can get to it if we have time this week. <laughs> um, but you know, some interesting play calls with Gary Bryant, again, using him as that speed guy, you know, with that speed motion and then switching and going back and, you know, easy pitch and catch once again and just runs into the pylon. Um, I think I think that Gary Bryant's presence opens things up for them. In that and, sense, I had stock up on him. Yeah, and, and I think he had a huge game for them and did some different things. You know, you get the out routes, you get the hitches, the short stuff where he can pick up some yards for you because guys are going to play off of him. I don't want to get burnt by this guy, so let me play off a couple more yards. And so you can do those type things. Same with Taj Washington. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that they're finding their rhythm. I think Graham Harrell is finding his rhythm and then the, the receivers and, you know, how they're going to rotate those guys. Because another thing I had stock up was rotation. I thought there was more yeah, rotation. Now, I still think they got to get Kyle Ford involved more. Yeah. And maybe that do that, give him a series or two and give Drake London a break off. You know, just so he doesn't take all those hits. He doesn't need 18 targets a game. You know, he can be fine with 14 and give Kyle Ford a couple. Because he played two snaps and one touchdown. That's what you call efficiency. But that also tells me, get that guy on the field 
a little bit more. You know, yeah. every time he's been in, he's been making some plays. Yeah. In that sense, I had stock up for um, the other wide receivers, like you said. I also had cohesion. I feel like when you have Gary Bryant becoming that second option, it just loosens everything up. Less pressure on Drake London. I just thought it flowed better because Gary Bryant contributed in the way that we were expecting him to uh, once he came back healthy. And I don't think we really saw it against Stanford, but this was the first game where I felt like, okay, Gary Bryant is actually really contributing to what this offense can do. Yeah, having a, a legit number two receiver... Yeah, <laughs> that you can say, oh, that's the second option is big. You know, they've got multiple options there, multiple guys that have different skill sets. But being able to say, yeah, we got a, a number two weapon here, and we can use him in different ways, and we know how to use him. Exactly, I, I think that's really big, and that, I think that goes back to the play calling a little bit too. Is you know figuring out the right way to use a guy like Gary Bryant, because you know when you have a speedster, they haven't necessarily been able to find a way to use them in the right way. You know, Valus Jones yep. never was able to do anything with him. Gary Bryant last year just didn't seem like they ever found a true place for him. And Taj Washington is the same way this year. You know, how exactly do we use a guy who's fast but a little bit shorter? So where we're going to throw that, you know, deep ball and it becomes a contested ball, that makes it, you know, is Taj Washington going to be able to go up and get get a ball or is Gary Bryant over a defender? That's not exactly the best way to use them in my opinion. Uh, so, you know, if you can find and clear out space like they did with that play with Drake London in the fourth and nine touchdown, that's exactly what you want. If you can find a way to get Gary Bryant against a linebacker or Taj Washington against a linebacker, you know, those guys are going to get toasted every time. Yeah. And that since I had stock up for deep shots, I thought we mm-hmm. saw more and that's something we haven't really seen. Like the, the field was definitely stretched, which I thought I... I, I enjoyed just seeing that because that's fun football, but I don't know if that was Dart playing YOLO ball or if that was an adjustment made by Graham Harrell and company. So we'll see going forward. But I thought that was at least uh, fun to see USC stretch the field like that. Chrissy T, I'm sorry that we have been talking so much. I know you have some stock up to contribute. This feels like a early family feud where I didn't have to say much. I could just sit back and <laughs> not really do anything. And I just want to say that in Shotgun's play calling stock up, he actually took three of mine in one whole <laughs> swoop with Gary Bryant, obviously. spreading. I had spreading the wealth among the wide receivers a little bit. That's a good one. You already said it, so of course you would say <laughs> that. And then I had Kyle Ford's touchdown rate because I feel like he's played, what, like 12 snaps and he already has. It seems like he scores a touchdown every six snaps. I and, mean, it's getting close. And then for something new to the ad, I had a – backup secondary um saw a lot of jalen smith um on saturday i thought he played really well he had a sack in his uh i, I don't know if that's his debut if that's his like first he, he played a little bit in the san jose state game as far as defensively he's played in all three games this year on special teams but by far the most he's gotten this past week mm-hmm. and then xavion alford was out there a lot i thought he played yeah. well too i remember a play i was like who just made that 29 this isn't garbage time what is this this is this is key moment so looks like they're giving those guys a little bit more uh, uh opportunity and i think they uh they played well with that with that increased uh those increased reps uh this weekend or this past weekend and that since i had stock up for kalen bullock um 
it's in my notes during my rewatch. I was just like, oh, I got to put Caleb Willicon's stock up. Can't fully remember, but I remember thinking that he is improving. Oh, his interception. I'm an idiot. Yes. He had a great a interception. Nice interception. Turning the hips. It was great. I mean, it was perfectly played. There was a nice wheel route. They were trying to get, you know, trying to get USC sucked inside, and Bullock didn't bite on it. And then he gets to the outside, turns his hips, but pushes the wide receiver to the sideline. So there's no space for the wide receiver to go up and make a play. Just absolutely perfect technique on it and, and you know he's he's going to be a superstar you know yeah. I, i'm fully fully diving into him being a superstar now I, you know i'm I'm usually pumped the brakes on you freshmen are. it's true um it, but three games in he just continues to make so many good plays you know he's in man coverage sometimes and he's right on a guy he's right on even the, the catches that he was giving up he was right on a guy's hip he, you know he's just been terrific in the back end and it's making for an interesting uh, dilemma for the defense defensive staff is where do you play him? You know, who yeah. do you take off the field to make sure you can get him on? Now, Washington State, you have a bunch of safeties on the field, and that's part of the reason why Jalen Smith got in some and, and got a couple drives for Greg Johnson. You know, Greg Johnson got beat a little bit. He got beat on the, the second touchdown. He slipped on it. So they said, hey, let's put Jalen uh, Smith in there. He got some opportunities in that nickel uh, back spot because they actually moved Chris Steele inside to the slot position to play more of a nickel role. And then they used Josh Jackson and Jaden Williams on the outside as the second corner outside of ITS. ITS had a really good game, had a great bounce back. I had, had the cornerbacks on stock up because I thought ITS bounced back. I thought Chris Steele played really well in the slot, you know, in a new position for him. And I thought Jaden Williams was terrific. And I was going to point him out before the interception. And then the interception, again, great technique. He's in a zone coverage. The guy tries to run a little bit of a double move, it looked like. He fades with it, fades with it, goes perfectly, reads the throw, goes up and makes a play. And then he did a great job actually securing the ball as he was returning it, uh, something that DBs don't always do. Um, you, you know, he did a great job of covering it up anytime there's somebody near. So I thought he played really well in that game. You know, And Josh Jackson, I, did, I keep looking at the tape and going, you know, I can't. I could didn't remember he was in there. I didn't remember he was in there because they never really threw it at him. So that means he was doing a good job too. So I thought the, the cornerbacks for sure. I had Zayvon Alfred. I had Kalen Bullock both on there. I had a bunch of stock ups, and I figured you guys would cover some of them. But Alfred, I actually pointed out to Keeley. I was like, this guy's going to end up with like four or five tackles. And you know, how much has he actually played in this game? Now he played a little bit. You know, subbing in occasionally and got a couple drives there. But he ends up with six tackles and, and tied for the team lead, um, and he didn't play a ton of plays. So you know he was around the ball everywhere and actually you know dinged up his shoulder a little bit, popped it out I think uh, um, on one of his final tackles. But you know he's a guy that I think he pressed a little bit early coming in the spring and then seeing some of the guys kind of pass him over a little bit in the fall. And I think that he's kind of settling in and finding himself. He's a guy that's been on special teams, him and Chris Thompson. So I think they're making an impact there as well. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. You know, As this season progresses, that safety group just continues to make a lot of plays. Yeah. And we'll see if you know if those vet, three veterans get pressed a little bit for, for some playing time. Yeah. As far as Kalen Bullock, if only, had, if only someone had the foresight to predict him as a freshman All-American by the end of the season. That would be a pretty bold prediction, yeah. I would say. You know, just something <laughs> just something to think about, you know. Yeah. Too course. bad no one did that, right? <laughs> oh, I got news for you. Well, what happened, Chris? What's this news? I'm waiting. I'm I'm just I'm just sitting pretty on that little <laughs> okay. prediction stock right there. Okay. I had stock up on USC's third quarter. Oh, just great, great call. The topic. That is something that has just been abysmal. For you, for under the, for USC under the Clay Hilton era, it was like 
when they came out of halftime, they would always come out really flat. Adjustments we wouldn't really see. I remember, <laughs> Shagan, you just sounded so uh, baffled in your tweets in the third quarter. Like, what are we seeing from this What team? is this? Touchdowns? We got sacks going four on. Four touchdowns. Now, one was by the defense, but four touchdowns by USC. In a quarter. In a quarter. What is this? Washington State in 2020? Oh, wait. This is Washington State in 2021. Oops. <laughs> I think that definitely played a part in it. Yes. Um, you know, I think that. The, the way they've tried to play defense the last two seasons against USC is not the best way to attack USC's offense. And, you know, it, it worked a little bit early. You know, they were able to frustrate, especially, um, you know, getting to Jackson Dart, a, a young quarterback, and creating some turnovers. But once USC settled in, and I think that was the big thing, and that led into the third quarter, was they settled in finally. And talking to Graham Harrell, talking to Vic Soto, uh, you know, I got some one-on-one opportunities with them. And one of the things they both of those guys said is that they felt like they were pressing a little bit early. Graham Harrell said it. he felt like everyone was trying to be perfect because everything that happened during the week, the loss to Stanford, they wanted to come out and be perfect and show what they could be, what they were capable of, and they were trying to do a little bit too much. And he said when they finally settled in, and that included Jackson Dart, when they finally settled in, you saw what they were capable of. And uh, Vic Soto also said, and I had this in my heart, but I'll use it right now, is you know, he said it, you know, the big play before halftime, getting that touchdown on the fourth and nine, he said they went into halftime, and he said Dante Williams talked to him. He said that's the unique thing about him is he connects with everyone. They respect him. He said the players respect him. The coaches respect him. They're all going to play for him. And he said when Dante says turn up, you turn up. And he said that's what happened at halftime. They came out, and they played with their hair on fire. Um, you know, in the, in the third quarter, starts with special teams. Terrific yeah. play, you know, and, and Micah Kroom knocks the ball out. But there were three guys there. You know, that's what you got to do. And, and, you know, special teams, we've been waiting on them to make kind of a big play. We were kind of expecting it. And, you know, hadn't really happened. And that one, I think, was a big, big play that that continued the momentum. I don't think that was the, necessarily the, the changing moment. I think that that touchdown on fourth and nine was, was what churned the tide. But I think that would just continue the momentum and USC goes down and scores and, you know, goes from there. Mm-hmm. Again, just – taking a lot <laughs> we're um, on the same page yeah whatever <laughs> i had stock up on sacking sacking obviously it had been a talking point no sacks through two weeks so you know you could just feel this sense of relief once Kanai malga got back there got the quarterback and then they followed up with two more including the massive one in the end zone by drake jackson his first of the season uh one of the best sacks of the season for, for this USC defense. I'm sure that will hold up to the end. Um, but yeah, finally getting to the quarterback sacks, follow sacks. So once you get one, a little bit easier to get the next as someone who's made a lot of them, <laughs> just get that first one out of the way and then become so much easier. I'm sure it does. Yeah. 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 It's just a mentality thing, you know? Mm. I, I think the most interesting thing about the three sacks is that it came from three different levels of defenders. That's a great point. Can I Malga gets one on the blitz, which was Drake Jackson being a decoy and dropping in his own coverage. The offensive line shifts their cover, you know, shifts their protection over towards his side. That leaves, you know, the the opposite side is weak with blockers. Kanai Malga comes untouched, gets there for the sack. Linebacker gets one. Drake Jackson just a man's play. He just absolutely destroyed the left tackle. Goes right by him, straight speed. You know, uses hands well. You know, and just looked like he was devouring prey. You know, I have one photo where he's just kind of leaned over the quarterback and the quarterback's eyes are kind of looking in a different direction. Just looks like he, you know, he's a lion that just you know, killed some prey. And then the third one, Jalen Smith, another time where they're bringing some pressure and he comes from the weak side. And, you know, an, uh, uh, I think a tight end comes across to try to block him. And Jalen Smith, 
I really liked him when they used him in, in the or when they did those one on one blocking with the safeties and the linemen, just because he's hard to block because he's shifty and you know he doesn't go run straight into someone. He knows that he's smaller and he goes, well, I'm not just going to run into this guy. I'm going to avoid him and he does a really good job of it. And that's what he did on that one. Comes off the block really quickly and goes and makes a play. He's also super physical. Yeah, for his size, for sure. Reminds me of like Max Williams last year when he was going viral with those like going toe to toe with a big lineman. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit more athletic than Max. No offense, Max, but that's going to make an, a nice combo next year when they get him back. Yeah, I think that in this game, if Max Williams was there, he would have been a guy that would have been on the field the whole time because that's part of the reason why they moved Chris Steele in the slot is like we don't necessarily have that guy that we feel comfortable with as the cover guy in the slot because out you know outside of Greg Johnson because Greg Johnson was playing one because Dante Williams mentioned last night is that their slot receivers are the guys they're targeting the most Washington State's offense is so those are the two guys they wanted to kind of lock up and you know Jalen Smith I think in the future he'll be that guy him and Max Williams both by the time when Greg Johnson moves on shoddy uh I, I thought accountability yeah you know seeing That's Liam Jimmins pulled out on the you know, the first drive, you've never seen offensive lineman pulled mid-drive, but he gets a false start. I think just that set the tone for them. Um, and, you know, all the things that were in and probably should put stock up for Keeley's insider reporting. Uh, terrific story if you guys Thank haven't you. checked it out on Friday. But, you know, all the things that were in that story, I think they carried over. And, you know, that can go two different ways. When yeah. you have a new coach come in and says, we're going to do things this way and you can't get away with stuff that you've gotten away with in the past – that can be like everyone's like, okay, I'm buying in. Let's all do that. Or it can be like, who the hell's this new guy telling me what to do? I'm not gonna listen to this guy. I, I'm, I've been, you know, I'm a starter. I do whatever I want, type of thing. And that wasn't the case. Everyone was bought in. You saw that. Um, and they're gonna continue to make some small changes. Dante said, and maybe those become some big changes. But uh, the accountability I thought was there. Uh, and the last one I had just a, a quick mention. Dejon Benton is a guy that. You know, has been buried on the depth chart, didn't play at all pretty much last year. He's a guy that they put in that nose tackle position in this game because of the type of attack that Washington State and got some good run there. So he's a guy to keep an eye on going forward. You know, played over Jamar Sakona or Kobe Pepe or some of those other guys that, you know, had been the, the guys who were looking to be in the mix at that nose tackle position. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move to stock down. Chris Trevino, who you got? Oh, God, again. <laughs> If I don't get you in the beginning, you then it's just You a... could have just thrown in okay. anything. I could go if you want me to go. I have stocked down on fan apathy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Just because, obviously, the pair style has been jumping lately. A lot more positivity. A lot more... Our interactions on Twitter are a lot more positive. It's also popping. Yeah, a I'll, lot of interactions. It's really weird. I'll put like... Jackson Dart sneeze and they'll get like 700 favorites. It's very odd. <laughs> and I'm expecting this week, I put a little thing on the the peristyle, like asking, you're going to be in the Coliseum this this Saturday? And then just overwhelming, yes, I'm going, bought my first ticket since 2018 or something like that. So a lot, I feel like the, the crowd this weekend is going to be jumping. It's going to be, you know, electric. And, you know, Dante Williams said, you know, I hope I hope we, we can get those fans out there. They've been through a lot. We want to get them. We want to get that support back. We hope they support us. And he's expecting to sell out. And he, like he said, I want to sell out the Coliseum for the rest of the season. So I'm, ex- I have high expectations for the crowd going into this, uh, this night game against Oregon State this coming weekend. So stock down, fan apathy. The energy's back. Nice. We also might have something special if you're a P member. So if you're not a P member, now's the time to subscribe. You know, because we got something special potentially coming Plugs. up on Saturday uh, be- before the game. Maybe we'll see. 
We'll see indeed. Um, but I, I have uh, stock down. I mean, the United Airlines. <laughs> Come on, you, you can't put the put the the damn brake on so the, the plane's not tipping and everybody's flipping backwards uh, as you're stopping uh, on their flight. So I started with that. You know, USC has a partnership with United Airlines, so United Airlines needs to be taking care of USC. That's a good point. It's <laughs> a good point. Just made for an interesting Friday when we, when we get, uh, you know, someone hits us up and says, uh, this is pretty interesting. I think you might want to check this out. Wrong. Yeah. I had stuck down on Jonah Monheim. That was a guy who, and this is the interesting thing, being in the box. You can just really see the line play much better than being <laughs> down on the field. So that the was The eye in the sky, yes, as they call it. Yes, So I could immediately identify that Jonah was struggling, and it only continued in the first half. You saw eventually that um, Jalen McKenzie came in for him in the second half. I think Jalen McKenzie was really fired up by that opportunity. Mm-hmm. He really had energy, and we could see it on the sideline. Um, but overall, you know, I think out of the two freshman tackles, Cortland was kind of the guy who was who was up and down a little bit, but it was it was interesting to see Jonah Monheim be, become kind of a liability in this game. You mean in the fall he was up and down? Yes. Yeah. So it was interesting, and this is kind of what you expect if you have two freshman tackles. There's gonna be games where they struggle. Yeah. And I think the good thing for USC is they have that option to put Jalen McKenzie in, and you know he came in and settled things down there. They made some changes. They really struggled, and I had offensive line yeah, I did in, too. in hole uh, on stock down. They really struggled with all the twists and you know the stunts that, that Washington State was bringing, the different blitzes. They were coming at, at them in different ways, something they've got to definitely learn on, learn from. Oregon State's going to look at that tape and say, all right, let's try to do that and see if they can if they figured it out this week. That's They're going to start in the, with that in their defensive game plan and see where USC, if they made any improvements because they really struggled with it early. They made some adjustments. Brett Nealon told me that they basically went to zone blocking. They said, you know, don't chase a man going in, in a different direction. Stay in your spot and then, you know, let the defender come to you, basically. So that's something that makes it more difficult when you're running. You know, they do have the zone runs that they have, but, you know, there were times where, you know, they had open areas to run, everybody else was making blocks, and then one play in particular, like Cortland Ford was chasing after his guy because he was going on a stunt and, you know, he could, and was going towards the interior already. So when he goes to try to run block him, you know he was already gone. He was trying to chase after him to, to get the block. So USC will have to make some adjustments there. It took him a little bit too long, in my opinion, to make those adjustments in the game. It had to be a little bit quicker to, especially with the young quarterbacks. He took some shots in that game as yeah. well. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how they can progress from here. But you know, it's definitely a step back for the offensive line after the first two games. They looked really good, ran the ball well, and even if they didn't run the ball well in this game. They could have still pass blocked a lot better. You know, Washington State was selling out to stop the run, similar to what they did last year against USC when they held USC, I think, five rushing yards. But USC pass blocked a lot better last year, so they, they could have done a, a better job on that. So I, I had offensive line on Stockdown. In that sense, I also had uh, Eric Cromanhook as a blocker on Stockdown. I thought that he struggled in that area, and we've seen that off and on throughout the season. So it, it continued, which is not a, a great sign. Yeah, tight ends just in general. Yeah. For the line, I just. I made a note of this when I wrote my my ten for the over the weekend because I had them on one of the negative things. How much just being their first true road game with Great in point. the environment, you know, two redshirt freshman tackles starting in an actual stadium with crazy fans going, you know, in that sort Good of hostility, point. not being able to hear after last year where it was just like an empty stadium with fake noise that that doesn't come close to replicating. So I wonder how much of that sort of played into especially with Jonah, how much they struggled. Yeah, yeah, great point. I didn't really think about that at the time and probably should ask about that. We'll ask about that uh, this week when we talk to the players. But, 
you know, they've, they've got to get it fixed, though. That's the big thing. You know, what corrections can you make? It's early in the season. When you have mistakes like this early in the season, how quickly can you get it fixed and progress from what happened? How can you turn what was negative into a positive down the road? I don't know if this is necessarily a stock down because they ended up correcting it, but I thought it was interesting because talking to Chase Williams after the game, he was talking about how they noticed on film in the first half that um, they weren't disguising their blitzes enough. And you could see that they would show it early and Jaden Delora would, would audible. And, he, and, and Chase Williams said that he could, just, he could figure out where the blitz was coming from and they, he'd send the ball the other way. And you kept seeing that over and over again in the first half. So they, they adjusted it and they disguised their blitzes better in the second half. And I think that's what helped also having a, a backup quarterback come in. But I just thought it was interesting that, that was, it was pretty obvious. You could see that they weren't timing their, their blitz well because it was just giving it away for Jalen Delora pre-snap. Yeah, and on the other side, talking about USC's offensive line, you know, Washington State did a really good job of disguising their blitzes. You know, they brought seven guys up the line and two guys would drop out and doing different things like that. And someone pointed out on Tunnel Vision, I didn't think about it th- this yeah. either, but a great, great observation is how much did it affect USC's offensive line not having Keaton Slovis back there? You know, a third-year guy who's seen all these things, being able to help identify these things along with the offensive line. And, and you know, you get a little bit different perspective when you're standing back from the line a couple yards and you get a little bit different picture than when you're leaned over the ball and trying to make those calls and type things versus having true freshman making his first appearance. And, you know, what, what calls is he able to make? How much is he helping the offensive line out? So that's an interesting thing. And, uh, you know, how much did that affect, you know, what the offensive line was doing, especially in that first half? Mm-hmm. My final stock down was the Pac-12 South. Ooh, yeah. You know, two weeks ago we looked at it and we're like, oh, man, the Pac-12 South is so much stronger than the Pac-12 North this week because the North went, what, 1-5 or 1-4 and, five or, or, one and four or whatever it was. Um, the Pac-12 South was terrible this week. Trash. Outside of USC, you know, outside of USC's third quarter, really, the Pac-12 South was bad. You know, UCLA losing to Fresno State. Everybody's looking at UCLA as a potential, you know, can they make a run type team. After you know beating LSU, and we we kind of said pump the brakes a little bit there, yeah, because uh, you know LSU a lot of question marks still. Even though you love pumping up that you picked them to win, I did pick them to win way early, See? but <laughs> I also said pump the brakes on all the national noise on them. Um, Arizona, twenty seven point favorites, twenty six and a half, I think it was, and lost to NAU, a team that was zero and two, an zero and two FCS team. I'm, I don't. I don't even have words for that. Uh, Utah losing in triple overtime to San Diego State. And today, their starting quarterback, Charlie Brewer, started the first three games, transferring Baylor, just says, peace out. Taking my football and going home, guys. You're not gonna, I'm not going to be the starter anymore. Peace out. Not I'm even, gone. Not even transfer portal. Just like left the program. He's like, I'm done. Come I'm on. Done. Yeah. He gone. I'm like, six year, I'm like a six-year senior. I'm out of here. Um, so that's a confusing one. They have not played well. Thought that they would, and that was one of the things that, that I mentioned to Keeley was that maybe it has something to do with the, you know, they brought in a lot of transfers. And there were a lot of talented transfers, but sometimes the cohesion isn't always there when you bring in a bunch of transfers. So, and seeing that one of those transfers, your starting quarterback just pieced out, you know, I think that probably lends itself to that. And then Arizona State, we watched, Keeley and I watched the tail end of that game. And, and in Applebee's in Idaho. It was the only place we could find open, really. Uh, but just terrible. They just look like trash. They look like they look like Stanford against Kansas State, and even worse because BYU the, is good, though. Yeah. I think both things can be true. Yeah, but Arizona State couldn't even 
get a snap off. They had three straight false starts. They had yeah. something like 19 penalties in that game, four turnovers. Uh, you know, they had a big play and then fumbled the ball. A terrific play by the BYU player. Yeah, that was insane. You know, coming over the shoulder. Al Geyer, I think his name is, the running back, chasing down Merlin Robertson and going up over and uh, punching the ball out. Love but, a good punch out. But mm-hmm. just overall, the, the Pac-12 South just was not good. Uh, Colorado got destroyed um, after they had looked – good to decent to good against uh texas a&m and had a chance to win that game just got blown out so pac south so you're saying usc pac-12 championship appearance i mean there was never not that thought you know even when they lost to stanford it's like this team has enough talent to do that will they turn things around and they took the first steps there so you know, the Pac-12 South is wide open, I think. I yeah. think Arizona State can clean some stuff up. I think UCLA will be really tough against USC. Um, and Utah, that's a big question mark. I think if USC could play – if they could switch games, they would play Utah this week. You know, because the earlier you get that team, I think the the, the better it's going to be. I think they'll get progressively better as the season goes along. But at least you have tape on the new quarterback this yeah. week going into next week in, uh, actually no sorry that's colorado next week <laughs> it's three weeks away but yeah, yeah uh yeah they'll be able to see him but I, I think it's cameron rising i think will be the guy that, which is the guy that usc knocked out last year who was their starter um in 2020 so yeah utah i think they'll progressively get better because of the, the coaching staff there and you know they'll get some cohesion so better to face them early in the season but you know the usc should be able to take care of colorado um if they struggle in that game that'll be telling uh but you know the Pac-12 South seems wide open right now after what we've seen the last two weeks. Yeah. My final stock down uh, also has to do with a question we got, so I'm going to combine the two. I'd stock down on quarterback health. It's not look good for USC heading into this week. Um, and we didn't really get much uh, reassurance on Trojans <laughs> Live as well. And JP had a question for us. He said, honest opinion, how hurt is Dart? Now, we've talked about Keen Slovis. Shotgun, you were the only one to really see him after the game. It didn't look great neck wise for him. He couldn't really move it. Correct. Yeah. I, I chatted with him after the game and you know, he could barely, he had to turn his shoulders basically to face me because he couldn't turn his neck. And, uh, you, you know, that's, that's a concern, but it could also just be, you know, you get your neck wrenched, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you have a stiff neck and you struggle to, to move. And the next day you wake up and you're fine. So we'll see where he's going. He, you know, it was serious enough that they took him for x-rays during the game, came back negative. Dante Williams said that he had an MRI. It came back negative. So that's a positive sign. We'll see where he's at, though. Yeah. You know, you, you never know. The next is kind of a unique thing. Like, you can get a crick in your neck for, like, three or four days, and then suddenly it's gone. Or you can have it for 20 minutes, and it'll be gone. So, you know, it, it's just kind of there's muscles that – when they get moved in a direction they're not used to being moved in, which, you know, when a defender comes in and puts their shoulder into your head and pushes in a different way, how do they, how do those muscles kind of bounce back? And that's what we're kind of looking at uh, now for him because that's what it seems like more than anything structural if the x-rays and the MRI came back negative. Yeah. And then as far as Jackson Dart, from what we've heard, and we'll see it today in practice, so we'll get much more clarity there it sounds like it's it's worse than just hey i have a little bit of a limp after the game that's what it sounds like and i'm not saying like acl or anything like that but it sounds like something that could limit him or his ability to practice this week and or start on saturday if he were to start if keaton slovis was out so something to watch for definitely that we will we will keep a a eagle eye on during practice this week I'm just going to say, I thought it was very interesting that he was on the Trojan Live, live uh, show that they have on Mondays, their USC-produced radio show. 
And I've never seen it before, but they put a lens cap over the camera before he was coming up and then but when he was leaving. So stock up on conspiracy theories. <laughs> I love it. Stock up on Dante Williams, or maybe I should say stock down on Dante Williams injury transparency. That's something where it's a new sheriff is in town. He's not going to tell us what's happening. It's it's we're going to have to observe and that's going to be pretty much it. I think everyone in his book can practice. If we're just doing rapid fire stock down on players saying they're good when they're not good. <laughs> Jackson Dart said after the game, I'm good. Keontae Ingram said after he twisted his ankle, I'm good. I'll be back. <laughs> Missed two weeks. Nick Figueroa saying, I'll play. I'll be good for next week. Didn't practice all week. Yeah. Didn't play. So stock down on never trusting a player's assessment. Stock after down on quote unquote, I'm good. I'm good. And never, never trusted. The other thing with someone like Jackson Dart, though, he may say he's good, and then you know he gets on the plane and everything, and knee swells up on him, something like that. So, um, you know, he did come out with a bigger brace after halftime. Uh, you know, I saw him going into the locker room. He's the last guy to come off the field. He still was walking with a little bit of limp, and you go, hmm, that that could be interesting. Um, but you know, we'll be definitely keeping an eagle eye on all the quarterbacks when we see him in practice this week and seeing where guys are at and. You know, I threw it out there on tunnel vision, and even uh, before, while we're still in Idaho or we were driving one of those states, yes. Um, But what if there's complete QB chaos? The QB chaos theory, where neither quarterback's available. Miller Moss goes out there, he throws like five touchdowns, and then next week, all three of them are healthy. What do you do? Start all three. (laughs) You start all three. Each down, just rotate. Teach Brett to do like side snaps oh, so you don't know who's getting oh, it. Oh, we're going oh. old school wing wing yeah. football. Yeah. You have one in the middle, two down like running backs, <laughs> and then then it's like who do we play for? It's it's That's that, fun. Just do it. Just do it. Two receivers. That's all you got left. You'll yeah. be the most viewed college football game of the year. Yeah. That's great. It'd be hilarious if they just started with one snap with that. Just rotate. Put Keaton in first down, Dart second down, Miller third down, and then figure it out. Spin a wheel. How about that? All righty. Let's move to Hurt It on the sideline. Shadi, you I, were I on the sideline. I don't want to. Uh, you are still it seems, in this It pod. seems unfair to make someone who wasn't physically at the game do Hurt It. There's stuff on the broadcast, too. It seems unfair. Shadi, go for it. Um, let's go back a week, actually, and Drake Jackson after the Stanford game. Uh, you know, I, we talked to him, and people were looking at it, and he says, we're going to come back, we're going to hit it, we're going to make a statement, so just be prepared for next week. I think he followed through on his words. Yeah. So, you know, give credit to him there for, for getting the, the sack fumble that, you know, really changed the separation for USC. You know, what if Washington State goes down and scores on that, it's a tight game on that drive. Instead, USC takes a two-touchdown lead and just continues to push on it. So that was my first one, you know, going back a week and what he said. Well, I'm going hurt it on the press box, or in the press box, I should say. The press box for Wazoo is interesting because there's just, like, clear – like, you can see all the way down if you want to. Like, there's no blockade. So you could see USC's coaching booth. It was right next to the press box. And so when that happened, and and normally if you're in a working press room, it's very quiet. Like, people are working. You don't cheer in the press box, et cetera, et cetera. Just eruption. Just <laughs> eruption. And, like, slamming tables and, like, people, like, high-fiving. You could just see the coaches were so is- ecstatic on that Drake London, excuse me, Drake Jackson, Thule play. They were freaking out. And so I was just, like, kind of taking it in, like, wow, they are freaking out. But, like, everyone, even down on the sideline, it was fun. I got to see USC sideline from a eagle-eye perspective. And guys were really pumped up. It seemed like they were trying to get um, 
together and compared to what we saw as far as sideline chemistry against Stanford, which just looked bad, I felt like it seemed better. Guys were more connected and, and it just felt better in that sense for, for USC. Yeah, and when you're playing well, that happens. Um, what I thought was interesting, even before they had taken the, the lead and everything, uh, the love for some big plays. That Drake Jackson play, obviously there was a ton of love on the sideline. Kalen Bullock's interception – he could barely get back into the the box. Which the boxes are extended, the sideline boxes. How how far the players are allowed to to be, and Gavin Morris was like trying to like basically behind him, like shoving him forward, trying to get him back in the box because everyone wanted to congratulate him after that interception. Um, but also Kyle Ford after his touchdown, everyone kind of came off the bench and you know they were at like the the fifteen yard line and again pushing everybody back in the box just to celebrate with a guy who's been through a lot and getting that first touchdown back. So, you know, I, I think it was interesting to see all the love down there and the camaraderie after what we did see in that Stanford game. And again, when you're winning, it's much easier to yeah. be excited for your yeah. teammates than when you're, you know, getting blown out by a, a team that you were a 17 point favorite. So we'll see if they're starting to struggle somewhere, how it changes. But also a thought Jackson Dart going down the sideline. Yeah, I had that as well, too. You go for it. You got that. Yeah, one. I saw him come after one drive where I don't think it was a successful drive, but he was like coming down during special teams and just like uh, fist bumping guys. Like he was really involved in the sideline. And the thing, too, is it wasn't just an offensive thing, it's a defensive thing. And defenders, when, when Dart would do something well, would come up to him. Like Chase Williams got in his face. Like there were a lot of just, it's it seems like guys really root for him and there seems like a lot of chemistry there. So I thought it was just interesting how it just seems like he's a natural on the sideline and kind of, I, and I don't want to fuel the controversy, but it just feels like he has a better sense on this team. You just fueled it. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you just, but it's an observation. Chris, what you got? I personally like watching Instagram lives after games in the post in the like the post game locker room talk or whatever. And I listened to this. Uh, I listened to Dante Williams talking to the team after. I'm stalling because I'm trying to find the actual <laughs> quote. Um, you know, I tweeted out something he said about if we stick together, we will we will be unstoppable. There was a couple of mother effers in there, uh, <laughs> but I, I bleeped that. But the one the one quote that did stick out to me was, "Is this week of practice going to be harder than last week?" Hell yeah, we have goals and we are here. We are here to achieve those goals. So that really stood out to me. Just sort of, uh, and Eaton talked about practice too this week. How he never wants, you know, if there's complacency. Did I say that right? Yeah then people start to get comfortable and they don't really care about practice and they just start looking forward to the game. Um, and he's about making, you know, practice harder than it is on Saturday. And I know a couple of Oregon fans were kind of uh, poking at that on social media, like, oh, where did he hear that from? Mario Cristobal. But it's actually Pete Carroll, <laughs> if you want to go back further than that. So, also, like, a lot of coaches. It's yeah, a lot of coaches. It's coaching. not a... It's not specific to Oregon. <laughs> yes. Um, so I thought that was interesting, just how this week of practice... Should be harder than last week. So I think uh, the P and a lot of fans will love hearing that. Oh, yeah. And what I thought was interesting is he was asked about penalties, and he said we have we had five too many. So what's the result? They're going to have refs at pra- Tuesday's practice and Wednesday's practice. I thought that was interesting. Usually we see them in fall camp, and that's kind of like their, their thing, and they're gone. But, hey, with 18- and 22-year-olds, you, you need to switch it up a bit. And I think the Dante's enthusiasm on the sideline, I think that was a, a good hurt as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was switching it up, and that's from the kiss on Jackson Dart's cheek, which Jackson Dart was asked about last night on the Trojans Live, and he like completely went in a different direction from answering the question. He's like, "Yeah, oh, that was surprising." And then he like started talking about something completely. <laughs> but all, but it wasn't just that. It was 
you know, how invested he was trying to yell at the players to do certain things, wrap up, or, you know, don't jump off sides. Um, but Kalen Bullock's interception, when he finally gets back in the box, Dante, you know, goes up and basically is like in the craw of his neck and yelling something to him. I don't know exactly what was said there, but you could just see the, you know, the love for his players, you know, not just the love for making a big play, but the love of seeing that freshman and how much he's already developed in that little bit of time he's been at USC and, you know, telling him about that. And so I think it was really interesting, the dichotomy there and that enthusiasm, you know, can, can take you, it can go too far and, you know, the players kind of get burned out on it. Uh, so we'll see, you know, as he continues to progress as a head coach, does he rein that in a little bit and just save it for special occasions? Because sometimes, you know, if someone yells all the time, you turn it off. But if someone yells in selective times, then you're like, whoa, whoa, that person just yelled. So, like, you know, like if Keaton Slovis was to come down and yell at everyone on the sideline, everybody like, whoa, what, what, this, this is different. And you, they would get a lot of respect from from that mo- moment rather than if he if someone is yelling every single time that they go down the sideline. 18 and 22-year-olds. Yep, got to okay. change it up. Um, I just want to go on record that, Shotgun, if I ever make a really good point or do something spectacular in here, you're free to give me a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> if you cut that... I'm not. You were problematic. <laughs> I'm problematic. Yeah. Uh, I also saw prior to the start of the game, uh, Dante had a moment with Jaden Williams. Like He was kind of like holding his his head and stuff like that so he's he's a very like touchy coach in that sense but he has these moments with his players that i think are interesting very connected and as long as the players respect that and the players are cool with that i mean you don't want them to be like dude that's weird why are you touching me type of thing but as you know if you have that respect then everyone's gonna uh, appreciate it and you know that he's showing that care for his players and, and you know that they know that i had one more heard it i don't know if you guys have any left i think i have a couple but go for it you go first then one of them was um Jackson Dart got sword honors after the game. Mm. That was something where he was ushered up and, and they found him the sword and he, he got the honors. But also, it was really interesting to see USC's team, after like high-fiving Wazoo, immediately realize, oh, there are fans here and they're happy for us. Like They were <laughs> super excited to go run over and, and be with the fans and the fans were super happy. Um, so they celebrated with the team, but then, I mean, excuse me, with the fans, but then they huddled together very briefly and did a 1-0 chant, which is Dante mm, Williams' mantra. And I've never seen them huddle together after celebrating with the fans. It's kind of like a, everyone lingers off type of thing. Everyone has their own friend groups and they kind of walk off together. But they came together and, and did their little huddle chant thing and then went to the locker room. So I just thought it was interesting. Something new that I haven't seen. So Dante Williams also got to hold the sword. I don't know if he got up on the ladder itself. He but, did. I don't think he did. But, you know, I don't can't remember, you know, Clay Helton ever having the sword in his hand. You know, it seems it's more of a player honor, but they passed it along to Dante, you know, after that first win. So And then he got the... Got the water slash Gatorade, uh, Powerade bath in Powerade, the yes. in the uh, in the locker room as well from the players. So so that was interesting. My last heard it was actually on the w- on the way back. You know we were flying Southwest. You know Southwest, it's open seating. Everyone <laughs> can sit anywhere. And Keeley's like, "Why? Why am I B sixteen? Like this is my seat." And I'm like, "What are you doing, lady?" She's just so out of it because he's traveling all over the place. I was really tired <laughs> on Sunday morning. There was a lot of miscues. Also. Shouts to Colfax, cute town. <laughs> Where we stopped to watch the end of the UCLA game yeah. on the laptop. Yeah, but I was very – and <laughs> it was funny because Shotgun, like, literally shotgunned uh, energy drink prior to us getting on the plane 
or like getting to the airport at 6 a.m. So he was just like, I chugged in a shotgun. <laughs> that would be a little bit <laughs> oh, more yeah. extreme. That's okay. Sorry. I wanted to play off your name. But you chugged it and you were just a ball of energy, super fun and, and, and personable to everyone in the airport. And I was just like, you're dead sidekick. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> so I, I eventually got the energy. Oh, since you brought up Colfax, apparently, Chris, I don't know if you know this, but apparently that's the only small town in America that Keeley has ever seen. That's true. Factually, she, she was like, "Oh, I remember this place. This is this is like a small small town where they have like a main street. It's like this is the, the only time I've ever seen one." I was like, "What? How have you never have you never been outside of Southern California? And even in Southern California, there's some. If you go to like Idlewild or some of these small mountain towns, no, I think I have. But this one just like really sticks out in my brain. But you know, it's bad when Chalkin just immediately turns to me and he, and he just goes, "That's going on the podcast. Like yeah. that's the level of ridiculousness that has reached a new level." Chris, have you ever been to a Chris, small town? Chris, we missed you is what we're saying. I I tuned out a lot of that. Something about him shotgunning uh, energy drink. You never being in a small town America. I don't know. Hey. Because I just wanted to look up. I'm Tony Realing at the end of... Uh, Around the Horn? Around the Horn with the corrections. It's Clay Helton has. The sword. Oh. As someone who's used a lot of Clay Helton photos, that dude has held the sword. Okay. When? Do you know take, when? It looks like a the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. Yeah. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. So I just want that correction out there. Hey, I don't want that I to didn't go re- unchallenged. I, hey, I stand by my statement. I don't remember Clay Hill never doing it. And Keely, go take a drive down a Main Street once in a while. Hey, you? someone invite me to a Main Street. Go to Orange or something. Hey, There's a nice little Main Street in Orange. Oh, I have been there. Okay, See, well okay. then, there we go. And I've been down Main Street, USA, Disneyland. So that counts for anything. Does it does not. That is the most corporate thing <laughs> in the world. So, that was yeah. the joke, Chris. Yeah, okay. Sure it was. Let's jump into some cool questions. First one is from Tanner Watkins, who says, What sort of attendance do you expect for Saturday's game versus Oregon State? Fight on to the crew, and thanks for all you do. Thanks, Tanner. I already kind of touched on this, but I expect it to be maybe not sold out, but pretty close. I expect a, a giant, especially because it's a night game, 730, a lot of tailgating. The only thing is, I don't know if this is like social media bluff, because I heard from a USC source that they didn't see this like giant increase in sales, ticket sales. And maybe it's like a resale situation, but I don't know how much of this is just like social media hype versus like, we'll actually see it. But I think it'll be pretty good. I don't, be I don't know that it'll be a sellout, but it is still Oregon State. And 730 is both positive for bringing out fans because there's a lot of tailgating, but also you lose a lot of older fans, just you know, from fans that are live two hours away or something. They're like, I'm not I'm not getting home at 1 a.m. Yeah. type of thing. So yeah. We got a question from Jason who said, was the wide receiver rotation a result of the coaching change? More wide receivers played and got the ball sped around. I think there was more rotation. I saw Katie Nixon getting a drive. You know, you see Malcolm Epps and Michael Triggs switching in. The tight ends rotated a, a good amount. Um, but, and John Jackson got in there at times. So there was more rotation. But again, I still think Kyle Ford needs to be a part of that. So I, I think there's still some stuff to, to go there. Um, and I think the ball just got spread out more because Jackson Dart was getting the ball out of his hand quickly. So he was reading and saying, hey, if that first option's there, I'm taking it. And, you know, he was just going through his reads and his progressions a little bit quicker than what we've seen Keaton Slovis do. Um, so, and sometimes that was a negative because he threw some passes that were nowhere near the receivers. You know, he'd throw about six yards away from the receiver, throwing it in, in the dirt and stuff like that. So his, the timing routes with Jackson Dart were a little off. And that's something that if he, you know, has to play on Saturday, that's something that will need to be fixed as the week goes along. And that's something we've seen with Keaton Slovis. And it's because somebody, somebody commented, I don't know, YouTube or somewhere, 
Because last week, Gary Bryant said after the Stanford game, he said, we're still trying to gel with Keaton Slovis. And somebody was like, well, it didn't take Dart any time. But some of the timing stuff, there is still some issues there. So, uh, you know, the the seam routes, stuff where they're going vertical, those passes, he was really good. The the throws where the, the receivers were already stationary, those throws were really good. But when they were on the move and trying to do timing routes, it's a little bit off. Speaking of the Rose Bowl, we actually have a question from Gomez from Bakersfield who said, love listening to you guys every week. Keep up the good work. My question is, would you rather erase Clay Helton from ever being USC's head coach? That also will erase the 2017 Rose Bowl win or keep everything as is. I'm sort of confused about this question because then what happens if I erase it? What's taking the what's taking over? I think we need Christopher Nolan to write this. Just figure out the time. Yeah, I really want to watch a sports movie directed by Christopher Nolan where a a mediocre coach's tenure is erased (laughs) from and then seeing what happens. No, thank you. I think it would be fun. No, thank you. Is this like the never ending story where if you use a wish, you lose a memory? All right, you're going down something completely different. (laughs) I'm going to say no. You can't rewrite the history. I know it's a hypothetical, but no. Everything plays out as it should. Everything is predetermined. Wow. One of those people, huh? You're one of those people. <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. It's uh, not a, a shocking question. I will admit yeah, that. I'm not he, a big he, hypothetical he person. Yeah, if it doesn't have cold hard facts, we can't watch <laughs> the tape of it. He's not going to to give you a straight answer on it. So I will handle it. Okay, it's handled. No, then. handled. We got a question from Esoteric Simpleton who said, "What is the point of no return? Say Keaton can't go against Oregon State and dart balls out throwing for." Four touchdowns and 400 yards. At that point, must he be named the starter even if Keaton is healthy for Colorado? What if Dart does the same thing against Colorado? Against Utah? Against Notre Dame? <laughs> I think it would come down to just play the hot hand. If you know Dart does start this week and he balls out again, I think you just got to ride the hot hand. I think it would depend on what coverages he's facing. If he does that again against the drop eight coverages and stuff, you know, Keaton Slowis balled out against man coverage too in his first start against Stanford. And then what happened when he faced BYU and they dropped everyone? It was it looked a lot different. So if Oregon State drops everyone and Dart, you know, slices and dices them, then I think you're looking at a different thing. But then still, I think you're looking at practice as well when Keaton Slovis does come back. Does he look like a different guy? Does he look the same? Is Dart, you know, has his confidence just taken over and he's playing better? If that's the case, then maybe you go with it. But I'm not one to usually to be a proponent of, you know, you lose your job because of an injury. But if your play is the same when you come back, and I think Keaton Slovis was still the the leader in that quarterback room, you know, again making the calls to the line, not turning the ball over, which Jackson Dart did. So right now, I think it's still Slovis's job to lose. But if he came out, if everyone's healthy and he comes out against Oregon State and struggles early, then maybe you might make a quick, you know, quick change there. But I think he's still the starter in my opinion. I will say though, it's much more open with Dante. At the helm. I think we know what we'd see if Clay Helton was still head coach. But I think Dante is willing to do what it takes to win and will not be stubborn to the point of love of my life territory. But I think it's also you're towing a fine line there because you're messing with the psyche of a quarterback. And that can be a, a dangerous thing because those guys need to play confident. Look at Keen Slow's 2019 versus 2020. Yeah. Confidence is huge for those guys, and if they're constantly looking over their shoulder, and Clay Helton has said that many times when he was had the quarterback competitions that he didn't want a guy looking over their shoulder. Keaton Slowis can't really do that right now with the neck injury. Oh. What? 
It's too true. S- too soon. <laughs> he already made this joke, and I was like, Shaka, no. And then here you what? go. That is fresh, brand new. How dare you? Brand new content. How dare you? Cut that. <laughs> but you don't want Keaton Slovis looking over his shoulder, and you know, especially with the confidence issues he's had in the past. So you want to say, hey, we're, we're behind you. Go out. And then if you if you see that it's not working, then you got to make that move quickly. Um, but I think you got to you got to be behind your guys. You can't say. You know, quarterback's the one position you can't be like, you don't make the right play today, we're taking you right out. And then you have a two-quarterback thing, and then both guys look. And then that you've seen in the past that usually does not work. There's very few cases where a true two-quarterback system has worked out um, outside of high school at St. John Bosco. Because that didn't really count. Because everyone else on the field is so much better than everybody else that they play outside of modern day. But the only time I can really think of off the top of my head is when Chris Leak was the starter at Florida and Tim Tebow brought a different element. Now, using Jackson Dart in packages on that you know short yardage or goal line situations or red zone, like Dante Williams said, was probably in the game plan going into to the Washington State game, that's understandable. That's what they did with Tim Tebow. But it wasn't like he was getting every other drive when Chris Leak was the established starter as a senior and you know Tim Tebow was the freshman. So that's really the only time it's worked, and it's partly because they bring those two guys brought such a different dynamic from each other. Here's the thing, though, as far as protecting Keaton Slovis's like mentality and psyche. One, we know that Dante Williams is the guy who says no spot is ever solidified like he said that from day one of him being coach at usc and just with the cornerbacks but he also didn't go out of his way to say keaton's our guy we're riding with him he didn't do that to reassure keaton publicly if you will so i think that's interesting and just take that off of it if you're keaton how can you not be in your head i mean you see dart do what he did and we keaton's admitted that he's already had confidence issues whether or not you're looking behind your shoulder you have to be just because you saw what you saw on saturday True, but maybe this can be the impetus for him to turn his game up a notch. Uh, I thought Sean Cody had a great point on Trojans Live. He said when he was, uh, I think, a junior, you know, he had been balling out. He's on these All American watch lists and all this stuff, and he was playing okay. But then Manny Wright, a five star freshman, comes in and was making some plays. And Ed Orgeron was on him saying, "Manny's making a lot of plays. You better do, do something about it." And he said, "Okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta turn my game up instead of being complacent." And that comes back to that complacency thing. So maybe you see that from Keaton, where you know, I just gotta let it rip and just go in instead of you know playing not to turn it over or not to do this. You just go out and be like, "I gotta find Drake London, ball out with him. Where's Gary Bryant? Let's get behind the defense. You know, let's go make some plays." instead of you know being more of a game manager, which has seemed what has been the case, and that's what I think is the uh, progression of these quarterbacks in the air raid system, and Graham Harrell said, is they start thinking too much. So the first year they often are is their best year because then they start trying to process too much. Sometimes you just got to go out and let it rip, and I think that's what the air raid is kind of all about when it's being run to its full effect. It could be quite beautiful. A new young gunslinger reminding an old gunslinger how to – Cack the revolver again. It's a visual bit over there. How to teach an old, yeah, teach an old cowboy how to sling the pill, how to <laughs> drop the dime, how to how to squeeze the watermelon, you know? <laughs> okay. One of those is not a real one. You can figure out which one it I is. I wonder which one. We had a question from Mark who said, was Graham Harrell more influenced by Hilton's desire to achieve run-pass balance than we thought? He seemed to be more fluid in his call Saturday. Hope he keeps it up. Thanks, guys. That's hard to say. Um, I think all, the opponent played a big part into their run-pass uh, divide in that game against Washington State. 
very again very similar to 2020. So I don't know that we really gleaned too much from that in that area. We got a question from Cameron who said, "Are is USC sticking with the dime package? I like IPM off the edge or in the box." I feel like only a dime can answer this. Shotgun. <laughs> You're ridiculous. Um, no, I think it will depend on what formations they see. That's the big thing is, you know, if Stanford's coming out with three tight ends, you're not going to use the dime package. So, uh, I think that Oregon state is going to try to run the ball and, you know, you'll see some bigger packages, but maybe we'll see some more of that dime package in the future because of how well Kalen Bullock has played, how well Xavier Alford showed in that game. And maybe you want to try to get some of those defenders on there, especially if you feel like a guy like Chase Williams can play that faux linebacker position like he did against Washington State, and you don't lose too much having him in there um, and having another safety versus having Raymond Scott or Raylan go for it, that second linebacker. Imagine it when it were, uh, it'll have Rajon Davis in there. That could be, you know, Rajon Davis is a guy I think that they've got to find a way to use. Him. There's got to be a package like out the there. Perfect. That yeah, a dime package would be. You know, they've used a three-two-six dime in the past too. If their pass rush starts, you know, taking a step forward, Nick Figueroa getting back healthy, and they're getting pressure with three guys, that would be ideal for them too. Final question comes from wide receiver twenty-five. Oh, actually, no, it's white Russian twenty-five. I just see WR, well, yeah. and I think wide receiver. <laughs> he says, "If you could pick the new coach today, who would be your pick?" Oh, <laughs> Nick Saban. It's always my pick. Yeah, come on, Chris. Oh. Oh, <laughs> are you oh, saying Coach O? Coach o? <laughs> Look, after just I watched the like Fox pregame or halftime show with Chris Peterson, and I thought he made some very good points about his like four hitting points about what the new coach USC coach should have and bring. Are you on the Chrissy P chain? Well, I Chrissy just, T for Chrissy well, P. Well, the tweet did really well because I used my brother's. Uh, thoughts on it he said you're hired so (laughs) i think i think peterson was a a good option for a lot of people but i think he took a step up after a lot of people saw that him talking about it um so i think it's very similar so so i will say Saban, Saban as well after all that (laughs) i will say Saban as well i think it's very similar to urban meyer when he was on the 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 fox shows when he would lay out things like that people like i got you gotta have that guy gotta have that he's talking about me he's talking about himself (laughs) But I guess in a serious sense, I would say Peterson. Interesting. I just threw a name out there. I hate these questions. I know that's horrible, but I it's just not my cup of tea. I don't know I'm why. Gonna, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get headlined by some USC writer says Chris Peterson, man for the job. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy T for Chrissy P. I feel weird. I don't know Chris Peterson like well enough to call him Chrissy like P, that. so I apologize. I, like I will retract that. that. Take I will that sometimes you just gotta go for it. Thanks. Like Bobby Steiner and the boys. Oh my god, hold on. <laughs> This is a retroactive. Heard it on the sideline. Shotgun, you got to talk to Bobby Steiner and the boys about you calling him Bobby Steiner and the boys. Well, I didn't talk to all the boys. No, I just you didn't. Right. To, it wasn't like a group alleyway. I just situation. talked to the whole band there. director of football performance, Robert Steiner, and just said hello and, and chatted with him as they were, you know, he was leaving for the bus and uh, asked him. I just said, you know, do you prefer Robert? Do you go by Bobby? Do you, do you, do you care? Um, he said, 
people have called me a lot of things, and most of them haven't been too nice. So yeah, it's fine. What a great quote! Wow. Um, so you know, I, I said, "Oh, well, I let him know." I was like, "Yeah, we've kind of got a bit going where you know Bobby Steiner and the boys, uh, you know, and the performance you guys have had, and that everyone said positive things about what they've done." So he was like, "Oh, that's great." Uh, and he, I think he said something like, "He's like, if I could choose my name, I think Shotgun would be a good choice, though." And I was like, I like this guy. Did he wow. really say yes. that? Oh, my goodness. It sounds made up. It does. But I will I will give you the benefit of the doubt and say he said that. Bobby Steiner and the boys wanting Shotgun's name. Shotgun wants to be a boy. He wants to be part of the boys. I just want the results from their workouts, but I don't actually do the workouts. So yeah, I guess that's if there's like a, a magic wand that I can get the workout yeah. results, yeah. that'd be nice. <laughs> I think we all want that. Yeah, that's true. Alrighty, Chrissy T, it is time for your time to shine. I don't know what that means, but it does mean it's time for take it or leave it. <laughs> it's it's we had an away game, guys. Chris, you know sometimes there's a tone setter for this segment, and you've been pretty good, but today was just real off. I need a better effort next okay. week. Okay, Chris, it's time for take it or leave it. See, that was just not an energy. That was just. <laughs> I'd rather have the other one. You know, okay. at least you stumbling over yourself would uh, be. Some sort of pulse. Uh, guys, you know, the last, I guess this is in two weeks, but the last like week or so has been all about the new, you know? It's all about the freshness, the energy. It's all about the look. Um, and so, Keely, what does this last week remind you of? Is this one of these things where Shotgun knows the right thing to say? I don't know, I'm maybe. Out but, here but fumbling? I'm just, yes, it is. My I'm, Shotgun's face. So, what, what does this week remind you of? Like, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Tired. That wasn't what I'm looking for, so... <laughs> you should have texted uh, maybe, me Maybe then. I'll go to someone else. Maybe Shotgun has the better answer. Shotgun, what... So what does all that sort of remind you of, this 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 new change and stuff? He addresses his phone right now. This I was texted, setup. edits. Edits? Right, right. Why He's would got, I say edits? That's right, Shotgun, edits. <laughs> <laughs> so why should... All the kids and these 18 to 22-year-olds and these whippersnappers get to have all the fun. So thanks to our fake real sponsor for this week, which is Photoshop, that now gives athletic directors the chance to be the newsbreakers. Need a new head coach? Let the world know with your top 15 replacements (laughs) with a classy but sexy edit. We're all about the class here, not like those assholes at Canva. Sure, this can be used for other stuff. Your top three wedding venues? Let your friends know that the 2016 Nissan Pathfinder with four-wheel drive and the extra cup holders made your top five cars to buy this summer? Of course. <laughs> but this is all about the 80s, baby. This is about putting the power in their hands. Take the announcement game. Take your announcement game to the next level and leave Jeff Fisher off the list. <laughs> Photoshop. Seriously, if Jeff Fisher's on your edit, start over. <laughs> Thank you, Photoshop. Wow, well done. I think a, you know... Athletic director edits of their top to ten to five to or to eight to five to three to eighteen. This would be terrific. Be you don't nice. you don't want like Urban Meyer with the with the USC gloves like just pointing out. <laughs> you don't want you know the crouching shot of a uh, Matt Campbell with the USC hat on. Uh, this would be very interesting. It'd make for fun reporting. You don't want like, you don't want Fickle doing the arms open with the USC jersey on and the whistle. So would this just be like Mike Bone tweeting out the latest edit and yeah, saying yeah. no questions? Yeah, no questions. No, no, no interviews at this no time. No questions. Okay. <laughs> I would like that, actually. Uh, 
still recruit <laughs> recruitment still open. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. with a hashtag. God's plan. <laughs> so yeah, something like that. Okay, I can get behind it. So with that, look, I had a bunch last week, and they all got chopped off because everything changes in this thing. So shame on you. I had some good ones last week, but some of them still made it. Um, so let's just get right into it. Take it or leave it. Dante Williams giving himself a C grade, C minus grade. Take it. I will take it based on what we've heard prior impressors. I feel like there's a lack of like, not reality, but just realness, if you will. Like, uh, what's authenticity, if you will? And I think Dante's at least trying to be himself, and I think that is Dante being himself. I'm gonna leave it because I think he at least got to the B minus. Come on. Okay. So you're leaving it because he was too hard on himself? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't mind his grade. I just think his, I'm leaving his grade He's, he's grading him higher. He, he doesn't like doing grades, but he just gave a grade. I know. Wow. Interesting. I tricked him into that. Okay. So we have a split there. <laughs> if USC runs the table, that interim tag is coming off. Take it. Meaning there's a natty being uh, No, up. I'm saying runs the table. She's leaving it open. If they get left out it, of the it, playoff. They, they could be left out of the playoff. They could win the Pac-12 to go to a, a New York Six Bowl. They go 10-0. I'm t- still taking it. Leave or it. Or 11-0. Leave it. You can interpret that as any way you want. Oh. well, if they, It could if, be a natty. Sure. If you take them to the natty, then yeah, I don't think you're just like, sorry, Dante. Thanks for the hardware. <laughs> like, but it's, it's all how you want to interpret it. I will take it if it's a natty. And That's, I hate saying no, natty, no, but you I keep can't, saying it. You can't say with natty. You literally just said however <laughs> <No>. I interpreted <laughs> If that's why you want to explain it, sure, but you can't say take it with this. I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> I don't need that. He doesn't want you to be able to caveat. He wants you yes. to just take or leave. Yes. Fine. Thank you. I'll take it. Even though I leave it. <laughs> I already took it. You don't want to explain on that? You just you just think Next up, let's go. Okay. You went out, yeah. Jumping to that, this team will have a win streak of at least five games. I'm gonna leave it. Especially because we don't know quarterback health right now. Oh, I'm making shotgun thing. I knew really I got him. I got him. He's really straining there. I'm trying to think of the schedule and how it plays out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. Ooh. I'm gonna be optimistic. Trip, trip, trip. I don't know why that required a trip, trip, trip. <laughs> uh, Bobby Steiner, maybe the boys, maybe not, have a good chance of being retained by the next head coach. Take it. I want to teave it. Nope. This is the first one back. You can't. No teething. You owe me. I'm going to take it. I owe you. I mean, there is going to be a lot. depends on who the coach is, if they have an established guy and all that stuff. But I think the results they've gotten so far, and I think that the athletic administration, I think they would say, hey, this guy's doing a lot of really great work and try to push him to be. So uh, I think that it'll still happen. Well, the fact that he's the director of he's a director of something makes it seem a little bit more legitimate. Like I'm the director of this podcast. So. <laughs> Are you? Sure. I'm the director of the take it or leave it. Uh, then then go to your next one. <laughs> Given the choice of analysts, USC fans would rather have Chris Peterson to Bob Stoops as the head coach. Take it. Take it. Stoops has been out longer. I think that's part of part of the thing. Plus, Peterson's been on the West Coast. In coaching? Because that XFL stint looking pretty nice right now. No. Okay. Doesn't count. You don't have to recruit in the XFL the same way. Jalen McKenzie will start this Saturday. Ooh. That's a good Ooh, one. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. 
Some say I'm good at my job, so. <laughs> I'm going to take it. <laughs> when shocking can justice, ooh. A, can we do a collective teeve? Nope. Oh. I told you there's no teething first week back. No. I think I'm going to leave that one. Oh, okay. I'm curious to see how Jonah Monaghan bounces back and practices week. You yeah. Know, he did have a, a poor performance. Can you flush that? Can you do like Jackson Dart after the turnovers? Can you flush it and come back and, and perform, you know, step up? This one comes from our good friend of the show, Gustavo. Gustavo. And just so I know, I love getting take of levers from uh, people in the questions. So you can send those in. I'll either throw it in the fun ones or the official ones. But uh, as of right now, Drake London is on his way to one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time. Take Ever or USC? It's at, at USC. I'm going to take it. As of right now, take it. I mean, the numbers he's putting up are terrific. Now, will we start seeing a lot of cloud coverage and all those type of things? That can, you know, beginning of the season to the end of the season can change a lot, and he's got to stay healthy, too. But for now, take it. That was your LaVisca voice. Well, he's, he's heard right now. He's, uh, he's LaVisca. LaVisca. You, need to, you need to make it's one. very similar to LaVisca right now, where, you know, Colorado was trying to force the ball to him a lot. Um, and then that's when Katie Nixon became available because, you know, there's so much attention being paid to LaVisca. Next week, I expect you to have one for his younger brother. I don't know his younger brother's name. I can't remember. Well, we'll figure it out when that time comes. <laughs> it's not the same. It, I know it doesn't come off the, with the same intonation. Uh, USC will have at least three freshman All-Americans off this team. I'm going to leave it. We're talking like any teams out you, there? Any yeah, yeah, I'm just saying you get a freshman All-American. Oh, so it could be like the... College Sports Madness. Dot com? Well, those don't really do those. There's only like a few. There's like a 24-7 sports plug. There's a few of them out there's there. There's the uh, Football Writers Association of America. There's ESPN. Uh, the Athletic has their own freshman All-American team. So there's some freshman All-American teams out there. Did I'm you a, say three or four? Three. Three. Oh. I'm going to leave it. That's just a lot from one team. Yeah. There's a lot of freshmen across the country, if no one knows. And they may even consider COVID uh, second-year freshmen as freshmen. I don't know. It could be interesting how they do But that also those. gives it more chances for, like, a redshirt freshman. True, but mm, I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Finally, USC, in the middle of the game, picked up a commitment. Uh, was it in the middle of the game? I, I was wondering about that. it was right that. when it ended. Whatever. Time changes during well, a game. Tell tell me. I was wondering. I'm curious about this, Chris. When did it actually occur? I felt I figured I saw it in the middle of the game. Okay. And I didn't realize maybe until the third quarter. <laughs> That's how much stuff was going on, obviously. Four-star Alemany cornerback Ephesians Prysock committed to Dante Williams. USC will gain another commitment by the bye week. Take it. I don't know who necessarily, but I just think that's a long time for a Dante Williams-led team to go without a commitment. I will take it as well. Eefy. The man said he recruits 25-7. 25 25-7 sports. If they can get the rest of the staff to do the same, could be a dynamic recruiting class, even and with the uncertainties. It wouldn't be a take it or leave it without me starting something while Shotgun keeps talking, so <laughs> that ends the corporate take it or leave it. Thank you. To Photoshop, Mike Bone, I sent it to your inbox. It bounced back, but you have a year subscription to this new <laughs> edit plan. I'll send it to Brandon Sosna. 
maybe it won't be bounce back. <laughs> nice. Uh, we have some fun ones. Uh, okay. We were submitted uh, one that I just want to lead off with. Take it or leave it from Samuel at SC Trojan underscore Sam, who I believe is a, He's a regular. frequent yes. Shots to friend him. of the feud. Oh, I like that. Friend of the feud. Um, who would win? Who are you taking in a fight between Darth Vader and Spider-Man? He's got to take one. And the two photos that he included were Anakin Skywalker, not Darth in his garb, with his garb. scar over his eye, which is where Jackson Dart said that, you know, partially where the eye black came from. Big, said he's big, a big Star Wars Big fan. Star Wars guy. And Tobey Maguire is the other photo of Spider-Man, who many people have mentioned that Keaton Slovis looks like. Oh, I see what you're doing, Sam. But mine is specifically based on their powers. And I'm going to say, okay, you have a lightsaber, but you just go, and you spin it up and rip it away. Then what is Darth Vader? Just a dude in cloth. Well, he does have the he does have the force oh, where he can literally that, lift that you, thing. the lightning, choke you. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> huh. <laughs> I'm going to retract that. You can tell she did not think about that at all. I she did was not, like, no. Huh. No. Uh, I'm going to say Darth Vader. Since he used the photo of Anakin, I think his anger gets in his way and mm. Spider-Man wins out. Spidey sense. He can he it can is, sense the force. It is a good matchup though. Mm. Yeah, I, I like the matchup. Yeah. That's a primetime matchup right there. Uh two really quickly. I, I think that there should be a uh, <laughs> See? We're back, baby. <laughs> I think there should be a Manning broadcast alongside that matchup. A what ma- broadcast? A Manning broadcast. Peyton Manning and Eli oh, Manning. Yes. Oh, I see. I see. For some reason I thought you were making a special guest you can bring on, you know. Tony Stark or something, you know, whatever. That'd be nice. I got a couple of uh, new nicknames for USC players. Um, I just want, are you taking or leaving these? Okay. Drake Saxon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. As they giggle. <laughs> Your face when you said it. I'm leaving this one. I, I like. I thought yeah. we were cool. I, I like the idea of it, but when you say it out loud. It Drake just sounds, Saxon. It just sounds like he's a. Um, you know, an, an old-time Englishman. He's just a Saxon. Drake of the Saxons. <laughs> I'm going to leave it, but not for whatever he just said. So what are you leaving it for? Just because. It's too on the nose. Wow. Every time Jackson scores... Which one? What? Which? Drake Jackson or Jackson Dart? Yeah, because that's a real, you have to question that. You were just talking about Jackson. John Jackson, Michael yeah. Jackson. All right, everyone shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the most common name on the yeah. team. Dartboard. I'll take it. No, leave it. No. Lunchables. <laughs> for whom? You mean for whom? That's not a nickname, that's just... Oh, oh, we're taking. I didn't. We I didn't know we had like moved on. Yeah, from the I said two nicknames. <laughs> I didn't hear that either. Lunchables. Yes, yeah. I'll take it. I'm leaving it. Good memories. I was a big uh, pizza artist. It's so way too high class for me. We were. We never had lunchables. Lunchables. Yeah. Well, they were a special treat because my mom thought they were trash. So. I think that's why they're sacred in my heart. Okay. We're packing like tomato sandwiches over here. Come on. What's in a tomato sandwich? Mayonnaise and tomato. Hmm. 
Salt oh. and pepper. Get some little Will you make pesto? me one? Mm. I wanted to try no. one from the salt. south. We don't have pesto. I don't know. I want to try one from the south, like a true... Is that a southern thing? I guess. I don't know. What mayonnaise are you? Were you Hellman's or... Uh, I don't know. I didn't buy the Apparently, mayonnaise. Apparently, you I'm have not, to be not, one or the other. And I'm I don't remember Duke's what, mayonnaise. Yeah, Duke's or... Guy yeah, scooping it at the Georgia Clemson game. Ugh. Okay. I'm not a big mayonnaise fan. And finally... Take it or leave it. I, this one's been on here for like three weeks because we haven't done one of these. But walk ball. What's walk ball? It's this new thing in football locker rooms where you. It's hard to explain. <laughs> you you you're doing a route against a defender, but you can only walk, I've seen and you're that. just like changing directions. You're getting them to bite on the direction. You can't run. It's just like kids on the sideline do this all the time when <laughs> there's like a very confined space. You're not allowed to do anything. I kind of played this in driveways growing up and stuff too. Um, a new shotgun would, yeah. Would be so to get there. I'm 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 in for it. I'm taking it. I'll take it. I you also haven't would seen like the to viral see... videos. No, I'm trying to find one, but it's just like in locker rooms. They're just like coaches against players or a couple of players going. You're just, Imagine you're just... Tyler Vaughn's in this thing. That dude would go Gumby in two seconds. <laughs> Yeah, you're just trying to fake somebody out and then leave them behind. But you're not allowed to run. You're only allowed to walk. Walk ball. Here's a T. Is that all you got for that, us? That is all. That is all I got in the return of Take It or Leave It. Nice. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we head to practice? Starting off week four. I mean, every week there's something new, right? And Never a dull moment. Yeah, exactly. So we go from... You know, coaching changed and now quarterback controversy, which is basically quarterback injury updates. We'll see who is healthy and, you know, where they are. And Drake London, I think, is a big one. You know, whoever's uh, is named the starter, whoever is capable of starting at the quarterback position, they're going to be looking at number 15. And, you know, you need 15 healthy. So uh, I think there's going to be some really interesting stuff this week once again. And we'll continue to see how Dante Williams's accountability efforts, how that continues to progress with the team and, you know, if they continue to buy into it. Here's the team. I mean, he pretty much said everything, so I'm just excited to see this team going forward. There's a lot more energy, a lot more uh, excitement in covering this team. So we're going to see how, the, how the, the cards fall with Dante Williams and these Trojans. It feels like there's a lot more potential. Like the the potential and it could completely backfire, but the potential for them to play to their to their expectations and their potential, uh, to their capabilities. Yeah, that's whereas that's, under Clay Helton, it felt like you know, it, it, I said this when the schedule came out. It's, it's like and people that asked me this summer, you know, it's like, well, the schedule's set up really nice for them, but they'll F it up somewhere. It's the, That's what it felt like. Yeah, it's what they should do and what they end up doing. Yeah, and so with Dante Williams, you say, you know, especially, and maybe it's not even specifically Dante Williams, but with fresh blood, basically, you're going, we'll see if they actually play up to their potential, if they play to their capabilities, and you feel like there's more hope for that now than there was under Clay Helton. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. And I think that directly impacts the fan apathy. I think fans knew what they were exactly going to get under Clay Helton. And why they all left after the third quarter. Yep. Yep. Alrighty. 
That's going to wrap it up. We'll be back next week to break down Oregon State and whatever madness has developed since this Whatever podcast. new has taken yes. place. Oh, man. Alrighty, that's oh, gonna... one last thing I do yes. want to point out. Yes, yes. Congratulations to the basketball team picking a number five-star recruit, uh, Vince Uwachuku, I believe is how you say it, um, kid from the Texas area who's going to play in Florida this year. But USC continuing to get big men and bring them, you know, going outside the local area and going to get a five-star is huge for them and the program and the direction they're headed. You know, even without Jason Hart and losing some of the players they lost last year, they continue to, to you know, make positive strides and look like they're going to be, you know, they have some staying power. When a lot of people said, oh, Evan Mobley's gone, the team's going to revert and, and not be as good anymore. But we'll see where they can go with the team they have this year and looks like their recruiting efforts are continuing to progress as well. Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up. That's Shotgun. That's Chris. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next time.